everybody. My name is Jennifer Grossman. I'm CEO of the Atlas Society, and welcome to our second uh, edition of Ask the Atlas Society. I am so excited to be here today uh, with my friend Dagny Taggart. That's at least like how I like to think of her um, because she reminds me of my literary heroine. But her actual name is Samantha Metzger and she uh, is the field representative for the Bluegrass region for Turning Point USA. She's been a spectacular partner and very creative in finding ways to bring the ideas and literature and uh, moral values of Ayn Rand to her students, even in during these challenging times. And so here we are today. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. And thank you so much uh, for, with all the help from the Atlas Society and getting the message of individualism out on college campuses. Uh, Y'all are a big help. Um, and, and again, thank you for inviting me. Uh, the first question I have for you is, libertarianism is being challenged. Uh, a lot of memes like, where are the libertarians are flooding the internet. How do we tell young people who lives, whose lives have been upended that they should maintain their libertarianism? How can objectivism help students stay involved with the movement? Okay, well, um, and that's an important distinction. So objectivism, uh, is a philosophy that was created by Ayn Rand, and it has a metaphysics, which is that reality exists. It has an epistemology that we use reason uh, to discover what that, um, that reality is. Um, it has a politics, which is laissez-faire economics and libertarianism, and that's where this comes in. Now, um, one of the, the, the main axiom objectivism is A is A, which means reality exists. And just because a lie is repeated endlessly on the internet does not make it true. And the big lie that we are hearing repeated now and students need to remember is that this was a failure of big government not being big enough, okay? If we actually look at what happened at every stage of the crisis, we can see that this is a failure of big government being too big and doing too many things, okay? Let's start, well, why not go back to actually where it started, um, apparently to the best of our knowledge, in these bat caves in Wuhan, and then it made a break to these wet markets uh, where all kinds of uh, beasts were being butchered under very primitive conditions. Now compare that, which is what you had in communist China, to what we have in terms of food processing here in the United States with relatively free market capitalism. And food processing is something I know a little bit about, having worked at a Dole Food Company for 12 years. Um, why was there? Why was there so much? Uh, why was there so much little progress? in terms of, of how um, food was processed, how meat was processed in China. Yes, there was economic liberalization after Mao, which led to, uh, to growth, but they're still far behind in terms of where they might have been um, had they uh, not destroyed so much of their economy and kept so many of their people repressed. So um, now what government, which is a relatively blunt um, instrument. It, now those markets are being shut down. The uh, Chinese Communist government is telling 
no more wet markets. It all has to be switched over to modernized food processing. Where's that technology going to come from? It's coming from right here in the United States, uh, where we have the best in, in such technologies. Then, all right, how did big government do when it came to the, the virus um, being started and, and being detected? Uh, there was a doctor, um, who, Dr., Dr. Lee, who uh, saw that this was, um, this was novel, that this was different, this was dangerous. And he started to try to warn his colleagues online. He was called into the police and told, made to sign a paper, to, to, to renounce uh, such irresponsible messaging, and uh, he was ordered to go back to work where he was infected and uh, likely infected others and, um, and then uh, died as a result. So it was government secrecy, government repression, which allowed uh, the virus, those, those key uh, weeks, to spread overseas. And where has it done some of the worst damage? Uh, well, how has Italy's single-payer healthcare system worked out? How has um, their uh, prioritization of spreading, of, of, of uh, limiting the spread of racism as opposed to limiting the spread of the virus? What about in Iran, which has been devastated by the, the, the virus? What kind of government do they have? They have a religious dictatorship where um, you know the most brilliant minds had already fled. So they didn't have those human resources to bear when the virus uh, struck. And um, because of their religious oppression of women, of individuals, um, they put mysticism before merit when it came to even having the best kinds of doctors come forward to deal with this crisis. Here, you know, in the United States, um, again, was was the CDC not big enough? Well, the CDC, which yes, botched all of this. Why? Why did it? Did, was it because it didn't have enough funding? No, it was because the CDC was focusing on fake epidemics like guns and imaginary threats like vaping, and that's all they got. Wonderful press, you know, they got wonderful press releases, but. <laughs> Instead of doing like maybe the one thing that they were supposed to do, which is focus on protecting individuals and detecting uh, viruses, they were, they were doing something else. They were distracted. And then when you had others who were coming forward, uh, like a, another unsung hero of, of the coronavirus, uh, Dr. Helen Chu in Seattle, who uh, was coming up with novel tests, um, she was told, the CDC was repeatedly told her to stop. Well, fortunately, she defied the CDC, she defied the regulators, she did the testing, and as a result, she saved untold numbers of people in the Northwest from, from catching uh, the disease. So while the virus uh, originated, most likely in these in bat caves uh, in China, it incubated in the caverns of the administrative state. And mm -hmm. then when the private sector came forward with new tests, new technologies, uh, new cures, um, and just even a response, the, the, the federal government, the red tape was inhibiting that response every step of the way. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, and, and I love how you pointed out that it was big government that really enabled this. I mean, in China, it's, it, it's the, there's a huge wealth gap between the higher class and the lower class. There's literally no middle class. And, and um, it enabled these wet markets to, to be, I guess you could say, necessary, um, even though I, I, I don't understand it at all. Uh, and, and you talk about that a little bit in, uh, you wrote, My Name is Coronavirus, which you can find on the Atlas Society website, and you kind of track the coronavirus, where it started, and how it ended up in the U.S., and, and very good points throughout that. Um, my second question is, and this one's probably one of the most important ones for not only myself, but also my students. So a massive stimulus package has been passed. But students and their families are still at home. Classes are canceled. Canceled. People are out of work. How do students look past the stimulus and form a plan of action to restart their lives and the economy after the shelter laws are lifted? Yes. Well, um, I think that's a good point. I, the first thing I would say on um, these trillions and trillions of dollars of deficit spending, of spending money that we do not have, is I would say with some sadness and some sense of irony to you, Samantha, and to the students that you are, are working with, thank you. Because, you know, you're going to be paying for it. Uh, the government could do any kind of mass confiscation of the 1% or the 10%. That will never cover it. Uh, my generation, my parents' generation, we have our you know, wealth earning days behind us, our, our greatest wealth earning days, maybe not me, but, um, <laughs> but all of the students, people that, that are in their teens, in their 20s, you have your revenue bearing days ahead of you. And so, it'll, you know, those, those debts will come due and, and it will be, fall, unfortunately, on, on, the, on the shoulders of, of this generation. With regards to the second point of your question, how are students individually practically going to find a plan to, to restart uh, your lives? Um, I guess I would, I would say, having been through a disaster you know, or two uh, of my own, my, my house uh, was destroyed in a, a fire in Malibu, I, I've been fired, I've lost jobs, is to just keep in mind that every bad situation can be made worse. So to take a look, you know, uh, yeah, it's really true. I mean, it's yeah. like, okay, I lost my, uh, I lost my house. I could lose my job. I could lose my health. I could lose my life if I make the bad choices. I can make this hole deeper. Okay. So stop. Don't, if you're doing something that is not helping you, that is making your hole deeper, stop. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you were just vegging out, and freaking out, uh, stop. Use this time to be productive, to re-examine your values, to re-examine your life choices, um, and maybe make some adjustments. Uh, I like to draw some inspiration in the fact that in the plague of 1665, um, Great Plague of London, which destroyed nearly a third of that city's population. Sir Isaac Newton came up with some of his greatest uh, contributions to the fields of physics and to math. And so we can also use this time productively. I mean, you mentioned coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I have never written so many scripts so fast <laughs> in, in all my life, in these past 
weeks, I wrote, you know, our three new Draw My, My Life uh, video scripts. So, so we, we can, you know, students can do, can do that as well. Um, but I think they should also take, uh, evaluate, you know, is the education that they're getting, that they're paying for, that they're perhaps going into debt to pay for, is that right for them? Are they in the right major? Do they really need college? Do they, or should they maybe be switching to some other kind of uh, technical training? Um, you can take a look at your relationships, you know, and, and start thinking, is the relationship that you're in, is, is this uh, a partner that is someone who is providing value? Is it someone who is displaying under times of crisis the right kinds of character, the right kinds of, of um, integrity, work ethic, um, calm? Is, that, is, is, is this the person that you want to be a partner with you when you are gonna be 10 years down the road? Or is this person taking from you? Is this person draining you? Maybe it might be time to cut that person off if that person is not gonna be a good partner. And I think that's very applicable to especially college students, not only in romantic relationships, but also friendships. I mean, I know whenever I was in college, my friend group was the biggest, the best, whatever you want to say, but was I personally okay? Like I was, I could say, you know, I was maybe too dependent on how crazy or wild our friend group got. And, and I really realized how much I needed to self-improve whenever I got away from the path and how much I needed to better myself and what I could do. Um, so this might be the perfect time for students to really re-examine many relationships in their life and then also re-examine the education that they're getting and how they're, are they learning to think or they're learning what to think. And, and right. you made a really good point at the beginning on, I guess, set a plan people, please set a, set a five-year plan, monetary-wise and career-wise. See where you want to go and, and be prepared. Always be prepared. I mean, how many people were unprepared for this? A lot. And we still ended up okay, but we probably could have been a lot better if we were prepared. I, I think that's a good, uh, that, that's a really good point. So um, having been through a, a natural disaster, having seen that not only was the government, in this case, supposedly first responders, not going to come and help me during the crisis. That they were not, FEMA was not going to be there for me after the crisis. And then when I was trying to help myself to rebuild after the fire, government and regulations were going to hinder me at every step of the way. And government was going to give me not, I mean, hope is necessary. Mm -hmm. False hope is deadly. And government gives you false hope. So while you know, you're seeing all of this stuff about all these trillions of dollars in aid and grants and loans, really, I, I mean, I'm, I'm great if, if some people get it, but there's gonna be so many more. And you won't hear that story of people that waste precious time mm -hmm. applying for these things, hoping for aid, they'll never get it. And that time, there's an opportunity cost to everything. And that time could have been better spent on doing something that, that could actually practically advance them in their real lives. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that brings up a good point. I mean, our, the definition in America of small business, I believe it can be up to 200 people. So a 200 employed uh, 
company definitely has a CEO, definitely has a CFO. But so they have time to go apply for these grants. They have time to go after this money, but the actual small businesses, the mom and pop shops, the, the five to 10 employees, they're going to really suffer. I mean, they're going to yeah. suffer the most. And that's very unfortunate. Um, so I, 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 go ahead. No, it's, it's, it's devastating. Um, and, um, and you were also talking about, you know, uh, how can we have a plan and how can we use this, this time productively? Um, and thinking 20 years down the road, thinking 10 years down the road. So, uh, you know, 20 years down the road, you're going to be looking back at this and you're going to be sharing stories with your family of what did you do during the time of coronavirus. What do you want that story to be? Do you want that story to be, oh, yeah, sitting, you know, in a Narcotics Anonymous uh, support group saying, yeah, you know, that was the time when I really got hooked on pot, you know, and I just like my life went on the skids after that. Is that really what you want your story to be? Do you want your story to be uh, something, something else? You know, that's when I said, hey, I was going to switch my major. I was going to get out of school. I was going to get out of that relationship. Uh, I was, and you know what I'm going to say next, Samantha? Red, I read Atlas Shroud. Yes. Thank you. Yes. If, if Students, if you get anything from this webinar, it's read Atlas Shroud or, or watch it. There's a movie out there. We have a movie for you. So, um, yeah. As you know, I mean, you know, because what, we, we are doing what we can to protect, you know, our, ourselves, our bodies, our physical self, mm -hmm. but we need to also inoculate our minds, yeah. okay? We need to inoculate our spirit. And, and you and I have talked about this many times, Samantha, reading Ayn Rand, reading Atlas Shrugged, it is an inoculation for the soul. Because mm -hmm. while we have the, the physical virus of coronavirus spreading, Mm -hmm. We are also seeing that it is aggravating the spread of other viruses, of victimhood, of entitlement, of envy, and of greed, which Ayn Rand properly described as the desire for the unearned. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, and it's coming after you. So yeah. you, you need to protect yourself. And, and getting the, the moral messaging of Ayn Rand, of reason, of individualism, of productivity, mm -hmm. achievement, is paramount to securing your spiritual health. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually transitions great to my next question. Um, what's the biggest way you're personally keeping yourself educated and informed? I mean, these are fast paced changes we're facing, uh, unlike ever before. Um, and, and what can students do to really hit the ground running with the new ideas to implement? Well, what what I'm doing, um, you know, and this is kind of what, what we were talking about before, finding ways that you can be entrepreneurial. So uh, when the virus started to, the news of the virus started to, uh, to, to get out, um, there were a ton of people that were, were leaving, wanting to leave uh, Europe, wanting to leave the East Coast. And so I had a couple that said, I'd like to rent, you know, your, your house in Malibu. Um, and I had parents who were in their 70s up here in San Francisco. 
and I had a bunch of toilet paper because I'm a prepper and I've been through disasters before. So I was like, well, this makes sense. Um, I'm going to pack up my car and uh, you know, take, take all my prepping supplies and I'm gonna drive up to San Francisco and help my parents so that they can, you know, they can do what, what they're doing with, with minimal you know, uh, exposure to infection. So that's what, what, what I'm doing, but, but I'm also, I'm going back, I'm, I'm rereading some of the, the classics of, of literature. Mm -hmm. If you ever wanna know what I'm reading, you can probably uh, find out by seeing some of the weirder memes that get you know, posted on the Atlas Society's Instagram or Twitter. Um, so, cause I, you know, I just, I read widely. Um, and then I'm, I'm just staying, staying informed. Um, my, my dad is a, a doctor, he's at UCSF. So he's getting the latest, uh, information out there. Um, and just, uh, keeping in touch with the people that I trust. And that goes back to what we were talking about in terms of relationships. I have my sort of brain trust. Of, of three or four people that I've always relied on over my life. Those are relationships that go back 30 years, you know, mm -hmm. to when I was at the Cato Institute, when I was at the White House. So just remember that these relationships, making, you know, the right relationships with the right people and being kind to them and being loyal to them and being useful to them and showing up, you know, as a person of integrity, of a, as a worthy trading partner, you, you can go through all different kinds of permutations in your life. But those relationships will serve you well in the long run. And that, that's a great point. I mean, there's one friend from college and, you know, my class is unique because it's their first, if they're a nursing student, this is their first year. They're a first year nurse in the middle of all this. I, I couldn't even imagine. So um, I made sure to send my thank yous. And like one of them, I sent a, an anonymous like mug that said, not all heroes wear capes, some wear masks. And, and, um, and it had like a nursing mask and, and stuff like that to make the essential workers feel better. Like one of my best friends, she's working at Liquor Barn throughout all of this. And I, and I make sure to tell her every day, hey, how are you doing? Is everything good? Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. And you know what? She's being rewarded in the end. Her hard work is, is leveling her up for a possible work promotion. So, so, she, so she's creating opportunity through this time, and she didn't even realize it. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, you know, you kind of do what you can with what you have, where you are, and um, I mean, if you can find a, a, a job in any of the businesses that are open, I, you know, I think that is so important. Um, I, I remember I used to work with, with someone, um, this was when I was at Dole, he was a scientist and he helped us run our, our labs, our nutrition labs. Mm -hmm. And um, he, uh, his wife was a, uh, a, a she, she managed a restaurant, okay? Mm -hmm. And so they had to move to another, another city and I said, well, what is your wife gonna do? She was managing this, this restaurant. And she said, well, she'll just get a job at the restaurant you know, as a, uh, just bussing tables. Mm -hmm. I said, well, isn't that a big demotion? He said, no, she's really smart. She's really hardworking. She, she outworks everybody. She'll be running the joint in no time. And he was right. So just, you know, whatever the job may be, it may not be your dream job, but, mm -hmm. but, but no, it a lot depends on you, you know, mm -hmm. and, and reject the, just the, the, the victimhood, the blame, all of these, the, these kind of uh, very disempowering, messages and just focus on what you can do your individual agency 
and have a little bit of gratitude because that's a very empowering attitude as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Definitely agree. And, and so the last and final question for you, and, and you may get this one all the time. This is, I love asking speakers this kind of question because I love knowing where their philosophy not only came from, but wh why they think or why they believe what they believe. So what are your three favorite books and why? I already talked about Atlas Shrugged, I think, which is, is, is an epic um, prophecy for, for these times. Because one of the important things when we were talking about the distinction between libertarianism and, and objectivism, libertarianism is, is focused a lot on, on uh, limiting government. Objectivism, and particularly the fiction of Ayn Rand, unlike any other book ever before, lionized and celebrated the entrepreneurs and the creative men and, and, and women of, of ability. So that's one of the reasons that, that you know it's important to understand a little bit about objectivism uh, as well as Austrian economics. So I, I think that that's something I'm reading. Another uh, book that I'm reading is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. When I say reading, I'm saying rereading and rereading and rereading. Um, because you know that is it's different than it's a different perspective than objectivism. But he's telling the experience of surviving a concentration camp, and it helps when to put things into perspective and also to understand that even when um, you know tragedy strikes, that it is possible to choose one's attitude in any um, kind of circumstance. And uh, you, you know, you may not be able to choose what is done to you, but you can choose your attitude about how you you uh, feel about what is being done to you, um, and that there's a lot of nobility in that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then finally, I guess I would also say, in preparation for our "My Name Is Ludwig von Mises" um, draw my life, uh, I I read uh, socialism. And, um, and I've been reading on human action, and he talks about the failures of central planning, even during wartime. He was a, uh, he was a soldier on the front lines of World War I, mm -hmm. and barely escaped the Nazis in World War II. So I think we need to just be a little bit cautious about believing that somehow we're going to have a wartime government, a virus-time government that is going to solve all, all our problems, mm -hmm. rather than potentially make them a lot worse. Yeah, yeah, and one of, the, one of the biggest things that my, one of my mentors said to me one time, he said, you know, one of the, my big turning points in life was realizing I'm the only one who can control myself. I can't control anybody else but myself. And he told me that at the point where you realize that, Sam, it, it's going to be deadly. You know, so, so you know, prepare uh, read read books. Uh, use this time to educate yourself. You know, for my students out there, I keep telling them, read books that not only educate you but allow you to get your message out there. Allow you to be more clear and concise with what you're saying. Because a lot of my students, they're very in tune with conservative politics. They're very in tune with uh, free markets are beneficial, but they have trouble messaging it. And so I try to get them to read you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People by D Dale Carnegie. I think it's one of the most important books out there for, for a student to read if you're gonna try to message to people. And um, oh. Think and Grow Rich, it was written in the 1930s, but I think every single person going into either politics or business or even education should, should, should read it. So, 
I, I think those are excellent choices. I've read, I've read both of them. Um, and I think that's one of the things that Turning Point does really well in terms of trying to, to help students with social skills, you know, not just about theory, but showing up in the world and, and showing up with confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I would, you know, I guess I would also say, um, you know, in that regard, when it comes to objectivism, mm -hmm. our particular branch of objectivism, which is open objectivism, that David Kelly uh, pioneered with truth and toleration, even within objectivism, it's important to understand that if you're using your free speech just to judge, just to criticize, just to condemn, uh, you know, you're not going to find you're, that's not going to be a very good uh, standard operating procedure. You have to listen and you have to be respectful. Absolutely. Totally agree. And uh, again, thank you for, for taking the time to, to host this. Um, I, I hope these series actually take off during this time because uh, I know I need it. My students need it. A lot of people need it because um, we're not able to be on campus, unfortunately. We're not able to have speakers, but you know, it's just we're in uncharted territory and, and we're learning as we go. Um, so, and again, I can't reiterate enough. Thank you so much for all the hard work the Atlas Society does with Turning Point. Um, you know, my students, it, it's interesting when they get exposed to the Atlas Society and Ayn Rand's writings, they're like, oh, this, this stuff is like what I've been trying to say. <laughs> this stuff is like, oh, so, so she's the one who came up with this? And, and I, <laughs> it, it's, quite, it's quite funny. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, I got the hat right here, actually. I was, you know, oh, awesome. a, a, couple, a couple days before the coronavirus stuff hit, I got like 25 of these in the mail. And oh, I, I had one day on campus with them and handed them to my whole exec board and was like, make sure you wear these on every table and take pictures. Um, but. Yeah, no, those are, those are important. And that's, you know, the, the, the dollar sign, uh, you know, that Ayn Rand used as a motif in Atlas Shrugged. And um, for those of all, you who still have the adventure, you know, ahead of you, I um, wouldn't say I'm envious because that would be bad, but, but you, you have something to look forward to. But, but the dollar sign, the reason she wore it, the reason I wear it, the reason that we use it as a symbol is that it's, uh, as a symbol of the currency of a free economy, it is also the symbol of a free mind. Absolutely. And, and the writings that y'all have uh, on, it, what's it called? Waterfall? Uh, what, what's the Yeah, one? yeah, the Waterfall Initiative, yeah. Yes, and, and I've been reading up on the courses, and the, you have a course on money. And the, the writings that you give us, you know, kind of comes to that conclusion. I'm, I'm currently annotating your money can buy happiness and and she she consistently that the author tara smith consistently talks about how money is a symbol of choice money is a symbol of you get to choose the the transfer of good goods and services it gives you purpose and and so it's really important to know what you believe and why you believe it yeah, absolutely um and samantha you get it Mm -hmm. You get it, and and your um, your leadership throughout all of this, and your you know your innovation and your willingness to take risks. You know that's that's kind of setting, I think, in my opinion, set, setting you apart. Because uh, you know while every bad situation could be made worse, we need to not you know especially when we're in this un uncharted territory, let's try some different things. Like let's be willing to like make mistakes. It's yes. only by making mistakes that we're able to. Uh, to learn, you know, and move forward. So, you know, if you can fail, 
and then fail faster and then iterate and learn, you know, uh, like we did today, <laughs> trying to figure this out, you know, you'll, you'll be in a better stripe. You'll, you'll learn more uh, than just not by doing anything. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, God bless during these times. Thank you, Samantha. Take care. We'll talk soon.